Anyway, let's formally start this off, okay? All right. Hello, Tommy. I'm Dave. Hello, Dave. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello, everybody. So you don't like getting called by people. Exactly. I think that's uh, the entire generation. The under-30-year-olds, they, they don't like to do calls a lot. A lot of people in chat will, uh, maybe you will agree with this while you're older. Let's say you have to do a call to a public office or to a doctor, and you have to... It's, it always makes you cringe. You don't want to do it. It's, it's it's something that's not fun, right? I think I can relate to it because it's kind of like when you want to speak to your nan, but you just don't want to have like an hour conversation. You just want to <laughs> be able to say, how are you doing, nan? You're doing okay, great. And then jump ship, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And it's always, as, as, as I just said, this 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 privacy thing. I just want to sit in my room and there's people in Discord. Hey, Tommy, we need to talk about something urgent. And listen, we're talking about the fucking Minecraft plugin here. It's not that urgent. So next, if you're watching, you're beautiful, okay? That's my Minecraft admin. But yeah, when the stream is over, I don't want to talk to anyone anymore. Do you get called quite often on Discord? Don't you know these memers that just randomly call you? When I check my Discord messages, there's always random dudes with fucking weird ass pictures and they they just call me. And then I always call them back and then they're they're like, oh god, Tommy, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I feel really mean because I always just reject the call. I instantly see it coming through and I'm like, I have no idea who you are. Why would you just call me out of the blue? You know, it's even weirder when they don't even send you a DM. It's like there's not like even a hi or anything. It's just like a blind call out of the blue. And then times I have accepted the call, they always just say something like, oh, I'm sorry, it was a mistake. Like, it wasn't a mistake. Yeah. You, well, you... now they're all calling me these idiots. <laughs> I just, yesterday, I was checking my Discord messages, and there's a guy I deleted already, and he invited me to this. I always get this. He invites me to a Discord that has five members, and it's called, like, the Cat Girl Discord. And then he calls me and calls me and calls me, and he's like, Tommy, why aren't you joining? I get this shit all the time. So the question was, starting question is always the same. How are you doing? I personally feel great lately. I'm doing a lot of sport, even though I still feel like a boomer. I just slept nine hours. I woke up this morning and I was, this is when you, when you get old. Do you have the same? I woke up this morning and I'm completely fucked for two hours. My neck hurts. I make the wrong moves. Everything hurts. My back, all the muscles are fucked. Yeah. Do you have that too? I tend to get like, like, like stiffness in my, like my fingers and my wrists when I wake up in the morning. You ever do that? Like you try and you wake up in the morning, you try and clench your fist, but it's really hard to do because you feel, I, hands I, feel... I don't have that. I don't have that. For me, it's the neck from looking, uh, looking at the PC all day. And apparently I, people told me it's gout. Apparently it's something that you eat. I, I don't know. I really like, I don't, I don't, what's your relationship like with food? Because I, I, I tend to religion. like your religion. Food is everything, man. Oh man. I tend to overindulge. I'm like a binger. Like I'm cheating right now. I'm doing intermittent fasting. You do the same, right? Yes. And I cannot eat until twelve, and I'm just already cheating on it. We were just in the supermarket, and they're I'm like f- not not friends with the keep up guys, but the the keep up guys they they see me, they're like, hey, how you doing? You coming or what? And I'm like, hey, sure, I'm coming. So I was eating a fat, fat keep up at ten a.m. this morning. How That's long? Food. How long is your fast period? It's uh, uh, stopping at eight p.m. in the, in the evening and twelve a.m. 12, twelve p.m. You say in English. Uh, twelve p.m. next morning. So eighteen. That's, that's 16 hours, right? Yeah, 16 hours. Oh, wow. But I, I cheat on it a lot. All right. Yeah. Are you still, do you feel like you still get into it or is it, or is it? I'm trying. I'm trying. I mean, in the end, I understand intermittent fasting for me myself to just stop with the fucking, uh, like 10 p.m., you're watching movie, you're eating chips and chocolate. That's yeah. stopping. That's stopping, you know, and that's already like 300 calories less a day and shit. That's good. I feel like I go into rhythms with it. I normally do 20 hours. I use an app called Zero. On my 20 phone. hours that's a wow yeah so i only eat between about 
one and five-ish. It depends, really, because I activate like a timer, so it's not consistently the same times of every day. I like the flexibility because I just don't want to be restricted to a certain time if I'm, for instance, going out, for instance. has been easy with the lockdown and everything. Yeah. You are legit doing 20-hour fasting. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's, it, that's a fucking lot, man. So what people don't wow. get is they think that because you are allowed to eat as much as you want, you tend to just make up all the calories within that small time frame. But it doesn't work out that way because you might feel that you're really hungry when it comes to like one o'clock and that's your feeding window. But you try and eat a massive meal. And I don't know why, but when you eat less, you just don't, you you feel like, you just get full a lot quicker, you know? Yeah, yeah. But 20 hours seems a bit heavy, man. It's something I worked up to. How long have you been doing this? How long have you been doing this? I'll admit, my success rate has been a little bit hit and miss. I feel like I get into a rhythm and I can do it for a full week and then I'll derail and I'll be off for a a little while. I think it's on and off for maybe the last six months. Yeah. Okay, so the main question would be now, do you see difference? Are you losing weight? I think. You think? Are you not testing it? No, no, no. I'm weighing myself as well. Um. I think I gained more from like just my overall health and well-being. I, I don't know, but if, if someone's like really insulin sensitive and they're eating a lot of sugar, they tend to have like peaks and valleys when they're like going up and down with their insulin. I guess if you're diabetic, you probably can relate to this. And hmm. I found that because I was eating around the clock all the time, I don't know, I felt myself like particularly wake up in the morning and then just, just to being a bit, I don't know, as you described, like everything just hurts and everything's just annoying and it takes you a long time to come around. And I tend yeah. to find that during the day and the evening as well. But when I like consistently eat within a t- shorter time frame, I didn't define that it was, I don't know, it wasn't as aggressive when it came down to like these uh, feelings of, I don't know, being, I don't know, it's, it's really difficult to describe it. I guess it is kind of like pre-diabetic because I, I am on the BMI like overweight. So technically I, maybe I would be on the, the warning scale for pre-diabetic. Man. After all, we should have called this the boomer cast. Oh, God. I know, man. Talking about how we feel after bed and how we're getting too fat. How's the hips? The hips? Yeah. Hips. That's what boomers complain about, don't they? You mean if, what, I, I, you mean if my hips hurt? Yeah. like Oh, never. Never nah, in my life. No, me neither. Me neither. <laughs> never. A lower back is always... If you're a gamer, a lower back is obviously an issue. Uh, in the last years, since streaming became my job, obviously, as always, the neck. Don't you have any neck problems? No. You had a PC all day? I think it's... I have... Did your... Have you got, like, a gamer chair? No, I have, like, a shitty Ikea uh, chair. chair. So, I don't find I have neck problems, but I have, like, a cushion on the back and, like, the lumbar support. So, <laughs> and ever since then, I've been okay. I tend to have, like, issues on, like, my lower back because... I don't know if it's because I'm holding too much weight or I'm really tall. God, I feel like this is the Boomer podcast, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I've got really good etiquette when I come down to sitting in front of my computer. Like, I always keep it really upright, and I try and like have like foot support, and I try and be like level with my eyes at the top of the monitors and stuff. I don't know. I follow all that stupid office bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've always had a shitty back. I've always, I was always in school. I was always like this. If you can see, I've, I've, I've never had a straight back. Never. Big mm-hmm. issues with that. Big issues. Well, maybe let's step away from this boomer topic because we kind of promised to get into the Hoi 4 Paradox topic. I have a lot of questions prepared here. And yeah, the boomer cast talking about all these uh, little hurdy hurdies. That make, makes me feel old, man. Makes me feel old. Yeah, so I want to tell you, Dave, to finish this. You, When I saw you in real life, you you look younger than you are. I want to tell you that. Yeah, a lot of people say that. They always say... Yeah, you prove as a 29er, 30er. People always say, man, you look a lot... You're a lot larger than... <laughs> This sounds really wrong. And you're a lot larger than I I thought you would be. That's true. That's true. If you meet Dave in real life, he's he's actually pretty tall. Yeah. Very chunky. I'm six two. How tall are you? 
Two men. I don't speak uh, colonial. Oh, uh, balls, I'm 181 man. centimeters. 181 centimeters in feet is five point. <clears throat> what is that? Uh, wait here. I am five point nine three feet. The chat is saying that six foot. Like around six. Five nine to six. Whatever the fuck that even means. There wasn't a big difference between me and your height. There wasn't a big difference. Are oh, you beton? You're beton. Anyway. Davey, let's stop the boomer stuff. Are you ready for some questions from the community? About this is gaming related. Yes, we promised to get more gaming related. Didn't wow. we? Yeah, yeah, fire right. away. What's the question? Okay, here we go. Gentlemen, I put down some questions from the community. Uh, I'm just going to read them as they go. It's going to be great. Uh, let's start with uh, easy, getting to the topic. Dave, what is your overall feeling right now of Hoi4? You're still making content for it. Uh, on YouTube, it seems like you didn't get tired in the last four years, just like me. We're not tired of the game yet. How do you feel about it for right now? Yeah. Uh, do you feel like the, the the air's out? Do you feel like there should be no DLC? What, are, what is your overall opinion? I feel like it doesn't have that spark that it used to have. I feel like when I used to load the game up and play as any country, I felt like I was playing a new game, and it was, it was just as fun as the first time I played. I think the experience I'm having right now is because I've played every scenario, every focus tree. I'm less surprised than I ever was before. And I think some of that spark, that specialness has been taken out. Don't get me wrong, though. I feel like I could still play the game consistently and still enjoy it and make videos for it. But yeah, there's some of that flair that just isn't there anymore than it used to be. Yeah, I fully understand. But I, I guess that's just normal, a normal development after all these. You also must have thousands of hours, right? How many hours you got? 4,200 now. Oh, damn, you're above me. I think I'm 3,500. I'm just loading up Steam. Fucking crazy. How many days is that? Uh, one sec. Um, yeah, three and a half thousand. That's actually kind of man. We're reaching World of Warcraft numbers here. Four thousand two hundred divided by twenty-four. I spent one hundred and seventy-five days of my life in Hoi Four. Probably eighty percent of that in a lobby. <laughs> yeah, because I was about to say that I think I've probably played more overall games from start to finish than you have because you probably sit in the multiplayer lobby most of the time. Yeah, a lot of lobbies. I remember there was this thing back in the day when um, I started to play a lot of multiplayer and these multiplayer lobbies is that when I was a nobody, nobody knew who I was. A lot of these multiplayer games, the hosts required you to have a certain amount of hours. Hey, you can only play Germany if you have 1K hours. You know, that was that how it was back in the day. So I legit will just turn on my PC Turn on Hoi 4 and we'll just go AFK for 24 hours just to farm hours so these guys will let me play majors. That yeah, was yeah. crazy back in the day. Yeah, yeah no one cares anymore. The, I, why don't they care anymore? If you look at the lobbies, multiplayer, there's not. I don't see this hardcore multiplayer anymore where they're like hardcore vetting. You need to be whitelisted. You need to have a certain amount of hours. I don't see that a lot anymore. Then what do you think that is? Well, the game's slow. The multiplayer is slowly dying, which is normal. It's slowly. It's been four years. People look for new games. They they go next. And this is where I want to give a shout out to Hoi4 and, and be positive. We live in a world where you consume video games very, very quickly. You get very bored of games quickly. And Hoi4 has been a game for me and for you, Dave, and I think a lot of people in the chat, that has kept us at bay for thousands of hours. That's really good. It's a big achievement. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. A game that makes you play 4K hours? Goddamn. Not bad. The Witcher can't do that. Not <laughs> gonna happen. What do you think? Where do you think Hoy peaked? Where was the multiplayer scene most active? Well, that's a good question. Oh, that's a good question. I, I, my first thought was like Death and Dishonor, like in between Together for Victory and Death and Dishonor. I feel like there was a lot of hype then, and I felt like I was involved. But was it because I was involved? Is that why I remember that more? I don't know. You probably better know than me. Oh, that's a good question. I would say it was nineteen, as Chet is saying. I will say, but I, I can't. It's a, it's very foggy for me, but. 
I feel like when the DLC came with the ships, man, the guns, that's where kind of everything died. That's where it started to dip a bit with the submarine freeze and nobody understood what the hell is going on with yeah. fuel and, and the Navy. I think that's where it slowly went down a bit now, I, I guess. Yeah, a lot of people in chat say yes. Out of all the features, though, that was the one that confused most people, didn't they? Like, Because I got bombarded with comments when that first came out, like, yeah. how do I play the Navy? What's the Navy all about? I still don't get it. And I think to this day, I think people still yeah. don't get the Navy. But, yeah, yeah. But they just don't comment about it. They just don't talk about it. They've almost accepted yeah. that I just don't get the Navy and I don't understand it. So that's really true. moving on. It's like, for me, that felt like, this is going to sound weird, but it makes sense to me. It was like a step back to Hearts of Iron 3. I think Hearts of Iron 3 is, my own opinion, the worst uh, Paradox game ever because it was too complex. It was for a certain month, a certain type of person that's really nerdy about numbers and, and stuff. And I believe that Hoi 4 is so much more successful than Hearts of Iron 3 because it's much more approachable and open for a casual, normal audience. Like, normal people understand kind of what to do. And like the Navy in Man the Guns, man, you need to study to understand that stuff. It was like a big... It, it, it was a step away from ca- casualty. From how you say that in English? Yeah, casual, casual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it you was know what I mean. More accessible and definitely has more of a. I think that was the biggest issue when Hoi <laughs> Four first came. Everyone kept saying like, "This is a massive downgrade from Hoi Three," and I, I didn't feel that way because did, did have you played Hoi Three? I have fifty hours in Hoi Three, and I hated every single one of them. Exactly, yeah. I felt exactly the same way. What frustrated me the most is the setup phase takes like a full 20 minutes like assigning all the dudes assigning all the armies and whatnot selecting all the research it was just the barrier for entry was massive massive don't get me wrong there's some hardcore fans of that game uh but it just wasn't accessible and that was the issue and people complain today that hoi 4 simplified but it makes it more accessible and we're living proof that hoi 4 is a success because we've become content creators with those games Exactly. As you just used the word hardcore. That's perfect. Hoi 3 was too hardcore and what made Hoi 4 so successful is that it was much more open. Like I have a, I have a friend in real life uh, and he's just a normie. He doesn't play games a lot. And he just started Hoi 4 some days ago. He got a new PC and he, he likes it. And I believe this person, this, this casual gamer, this, this normie, you will say, will have never gotten into Hoi 3. Way too inaccessible. Yeah, agreed. What do you think yeah. Hoi 4 needs next then? What, what would you think would reinvigorate the either multiplayer scene or? The game yeah, as a that whole. That brings us to the question from Grand Admiral Thorn. What will you add in Hoi 4? Let's leave that question. What will you add in Hoi 4? Let's, uh, let's say it like that. Oh, what would you add? Good question. I've I've always been a big advocate, and that's obviously pretty obvious. You need more focus trees. As I'm as I'm playing World 256 and Kaiserreich a lot lately, you I've I always say that World 256 feels like Hearts of Iron 4.5 because every nation has a focus tree and a lot of decisions to make. And I think focus trees need to happen which is coming step by step right with all the DLCs. But after four years, you, you still have the, the Russian focus tree that doesn't give you democracy and stuff. That's focus trees mostly, focus trees. And in my opinion, uh, balance. I truly believe balance is needed. I always said that. I think tanks are way too broken. We saw yesterday my Poland game. If you have heavy tank freeze, you just destroy the entire single player game anyway. So my answer will be more balance and more focus trees. Or maybe more decisions. To In the end, to say every nation has to feel unique, different. You yeah. know, Siam doesn't feel very different from Brazil. They have the same focus tree and not much is going on there, you know? Yeah, agreed. What, I what, think, you, yeah. what I want to see as kind of more ambitious, I want to see some of the old legacy features that even to this day I don't fully understand get overhauled. Supply, for instance... Mm. To this day, sometimes you make a pocket and you encircle an enemy division and they have supply. And to this mm. day, I still don't have any clue how that supply got yeah. there. 
you go through all the possibilities it's like is it a victory point no is it is there an airport there no is it connected to any land is it connected to the ocean is it connected to a port no and yet you've got 14 supply like how does the system even work i mean we're living proof of it we've played three thousand four thousand hours to this day we still don't get how that supply system works and it's on the list of dan wants to change and overhaul so i think he acknowledges there's definitely flaws with it it'd be kind of nice if there was more that the player could get involved with, maybe spend command power to get a boost of supply into a certain area, like prioritize it as a front line, for instance. That would be kind of cool, because that was in Hearts of Iron 2, and I thought that was a really cool feature. You'd like give, like, was it like 150% supply to a division, and mm. it would be able to fight on the front line more effectively and use oh, less yeah, supply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was really cool, because I-, I felt like I used to spam that button way too much. Yeah, I remember. In Hearts of Iron, I played Hearts of Iron 2 a lot as a kid, and there was this button. Chad, if you don't know, there was a button in Hot Spring 2 and I think 3, where you press a button on your division and your division will take some supply and for 30 days it doesn't run out of supply because it got supply. I guess the equivalent of that in Hot Spring 4 is when you have a logistics wizard and it's like one of the command powers that no one ever presses and ever uses. Oh, I didn't oh. even know that existed until now. I know, I know. <laughs> There's so much potential yeah. with those, those little ability buttons. But for the most part, apart from staff office plan, I don't think I'll press any of those as well. So uh, no. my opinion, I think that needs to be changed as well. I feel like it, I think the reason people don't click them is because I think it costs too much command power. And if you've got like 24 divisions that are all 40 with, it's impossible to press that button because it costs like 200 command power. And you can never store up maximum more than 100 anyway. True. So in that case, they yeah. never press it. So I think probably what you should do is they should allow it so you could press it just for specific divisions so it loses less power so um, people are more oh, aware of them. Very, I guess. That's very important, yeah. You know when you have a full army of 24 divisions and you only have 100 command power, you cannot use the abilities. So you have to take out like six divisions so you have enough command power for the remaining divisions to have a force attack or something. That's always a bit... That's oh, very yeah, true. someone in the comments, <laughs> someone in the chat has just said peace treaty before all majors did. Just talking about the peace conferences, yeah, yeah. I mean, that goes without saying. Peace conferences are awful, so awful. Yeah. Yeah. For instance, like if there's lots of miners in a war that can never get enough points to actually take anything in the peace deal, why are they even there? Why, why do I have to hit pass when they can never take any land anyway? Surely that should have been factored in with peace conferences from the very beginning. What if the only option is to annex the person that I've defeated in a war? Why is there other options? Why do I even need a peace conference if I just want to annex all of them in war gongo anyway? Like some of these just feel like what the no brainers, you know? And it, I think that's the deal though, isn't it? Because that system of peace conference is the same one from 2016. It's the original one that came with the base game. It's never, ever yeah. been changed. So it just shows its age. That's true. That's really true. I feel like in every... Uh, I play a lot of single player lately, and every game just ends up in, in, a, in a peace conference mess and stuff. Especially now where if you can't leave a war because some other nation became a major, you have now the resistance problem you have to take care of and stuff. A great example, I was playing Poland yesterday. I, I killed Germany, Italy, but Japan is a major in the Axis, so you never get a peace deal until you went all the way to Japan as Poland. That's always a bit frustrating, I would say. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, you just brought me to the point when you talked about command power, something I would always wish for that I think uh, Road to 56 and Kaiser Rex do very well. There needs to be more use for political power, I feel like. Uh, after, after 1940, 1941, you don't need your political power anymore a lot. There's not yeah. much to do with it. You got all your advisors, you have your stability on 100%, and it just doesn't do anything. Can you remember four decisions? And when you'd gone through all your focus tree, you'd be sitting on like, 2000 max political power. Yeah, nothing I remember to spend when the game came out, you played <laughs> Germany with Hitler's uh, bonus on PP and you just had infinite PP in multiplayer very quickly. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, too true. And yeah, I agree, actually, because it gets to the point where, like, you've got max stability, you've done all the ideological decisions. It's like, what's the point of political power? It'd be kind of nice if it just, I don't know, if you just could do more with it. Yeah, there's always, like, limitations late game. Exactly. I think the one, one other thing I would like to see change, too, is just the, the flexibility of where divisions can be used. I think some of the penalties tanks get, uh, mobile divisions get, in mountains and forests, is just backbreakingly painful it's made yeah. most of my games just i mean i and torio are living proof of that another youtuber all we make is infantry artillery every single game first the ai now i understand multiplayer is a different completely different scenario but for us there's no point going for anything else because artillery and infantry have got decent soft attack and they haven't got those really nasty penalties for attacking difficult terrain so it's like if i make a tank and i get stuck in the alps i'm like i'm stuck there because those tanks are never going to break the alps totally true i just said that yesterday where I made the, the craziest heavy tank freeze that just wreck everything. But the moment you see a, a forest or a mountain, you can just say goodbye, no matter who's defending it. True. Yeah, I, I guess people would always say, oh, why don't you use special forces? But the most part, special forces are just a pain in the ass to use. Like The limitation factor on them and the fact that they don't really outperform regular infantry by that much. It's like, I feel like I'm putting a lot of extra resources into a specific division that's just a pain in the ass, but it doesn't actually result in any extra firepower. Well, a little bit extra, but just not enough for for what I want. And yeah, maybe there should be technologies somehow that allow maybe tanks to transverse over more difficult terrains or difficult weathers, for instance, and that maybe would make it a little bit easier to use those vehicles in those scenarios. I think maybe I'm the problem. Maybe the problem is that late game, when we've got big front lines, I just can't be asked to micro. Do you ever just like put all the divisions on aggressive and just hit go for the oh, field marshal? I'm getting uh, older lazy. Yeah, but back in the day in the high-level multiplayer, you couldn't do that. You had to micro everything yourself. And when you look at multiplayer, it's kind of the contrary. I would wish that there would be less tanks. If you look at the meta in, in multiplayer, these people, like the good players right now, they legit just spam out 20 whiffs of infantry so they have enough time to only spam tanks. The entire meta, I think this is also what killed my roleplay games lately, is everybody just does tanks, and whoever has the best tanks just wins in the end. Like I've noticed... It feels like this. Yeah, that's... Yeah, multiplayer, there you go. As I said you, I... The last multiplayer game, uh, like a meta-style multiplayer game, that was probably over two years ago, so... You definitely mm. know more than I do. So, so when, yeah, I don't, yeah I, I don't even play these competitive games anymore because you just join them and it's always the same strategy. Just tanks, 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 tanks. Someone in the chat just says, has feedback ever had adaptable? So that's a trait that generals can have when they have two terrain traits. Yeah. Um, it's insanely strong. Well, it used to be. It used to, 50%, it used to ignore all terrain penalties by 50%. And yeah. then they nerfed it to 30%, uh, which it's is still kind of strong. This time, yeah, right? it's still pretty yeah. strong. The reason I, I highlight that message is because I used to go on about Adaptable, saying it was really strong and it was really OP. And there's been a few things I've noticed that I've said is really OP and really strong that Paradox of later on nerfed. And, and I'm starting to think, I'm a paranoid? Or are I actually listening to certain bits of my videos and saying that certain things are strong and then nerfing he, them later he on? The source, guys. He has the power. <sighs> I don't know. It, it's, it's happened like, I can't think of the other occasions, but it's happened to at least three separate occasions where I've said something, oh, this is broken, this is really OP. And later on, P dx nerf it and i'm kind of linking should i start saying certain things that are already strong a week and maybe they'll do the reverse maybe they'll buff them maybe we have to use you as a token like this i mean we've had three patches now and each patch they've nerfed submarines and every game now i still go mass submarines every single game because i, yeah. I just can't be bothered versus the ai i just can't be bothered true 
fully true. Submarine Freeze, till this day, in my opinion, the most overpowered unit next to naval bombers. True. I think the flexibility is what makes them good too, because they're cheap. So if you have no navy, navy production, it just feels like it's something to do. Yeah. And they pay there, off. there was a phase once where I played a lot of competitive, like the highest level of Hoi 4, and the big question of the meta was, how the hell do we beat Submarine Freeze spam? And we kind of came up with ideas. It's possible to stop them, but the, the effort that you have to bring forth to stop Submarine Freeze is so much higher than the effort a guy has to show who's just making Submarine Freeze and spams them. Yeah. So that's still... So it brings, us, it brings me back to my point that I would love to see a bit more balance. For example, a big thing I always talk about, improving uh, anti-tank, uh, the anti-tank um, thingy for infantry. That So you give your players uh, the opportunity to build an infantry division that can actually kill heavy tank twos or something like that and pierces them. I guess one uh, something else I've just thought of too is some way that nations that are particularly small can get a leg up. It's kind of like... I'm trying to think of an example. Maybe it was Victoria 2, or maybe I'm thinking of a different game. Is there some way where if you're a minor nation, like in the third world, you have the ability to get aid from the major powers, mm. and it would be a mutual agreement that you would both benefit from it, and, I don't know, maybe you use political power, and the result of that would be less consumer goods. You'd just be allowed the ability to play as minor nations to make them more fun and interesting, because when you play yeah. as Uruguay or Iberia or... Fully true. It's just, it's, just it's a bit stale. So, right, um, you know, we do these, uh, what I do lately is role-play games with Road to 56, and there's something very beautiful. For example, Yugoslavia has a focus that it goes with Russia and gives Russia minus 5% consumer goods for one year. Or Iceland. Iceland has a focus that gives English Marines plus 50% attack. And this allows you, especially multiplayer, to, to interact more with people. If you are the UK in a Road to 56 game, you legit should talk to Iceland and make him like you, so he takes the focus that improves your Marines. That makes the game so much more diverse and so much more complex. That's a, uh, these focuses are really great. Yeah. Great team. Okay. We've got any other oh. topics that aren't Hearts of Iron 4. Any other topics? What? Ah. This is a really good question. I'm going to ask the chat for this, actually. So, chat, if there's a, is there a maximum length of a YouTube video that you're willing you're not willing to watch did i say that right yeah so is there like a maximum length that you say if it's below this certain length of video i just i'm not willing i'm not even bothering to click on it i mean i don't know much about youtube but there was once some years ago this thing where everybody did 10 minute videos it had to be 10 minutes yeah because the youtube algorithm kind of determined that the average youtube viewer after 10 minutes it drops in views very hard yeah i I would imagine it probably varies probably around i would say it's probably 15 to 20 minutes that's somehow in my head that's where i imagine but we have noticed a phase now on youtube where content creators are making lengths of videos that are significantly longer and it seems to be working too because some of the people have exploded in growth have got like 30 minute average videos so maybe there's something to that who knows well again i don't know much about youtube i just know i was a bit surprised when marconi started doing 18 minutes or 20 minute videos but they're doing doing just fine so this 10 minute thing doesn't really apply i i think well, there's a lot of factors here about who's the content creator, how's the audience, do you have an adult audience that has a lot of uh, attention span, are you a kid that watches Jake Paul, you don't have a 30-minute attention span, right? Stuff like that. Yeah. Have you noticed, do you watch much like Logan Paul videos? No, no. No. Do you know what? Recently, I've been watching them with my girlfriend, and I actually really like them. Their average length is like five, six minutes. They're always like really action-packed and professionally edited. And they're always just random. It's like it's like uh, it's like just junk television. But I don't know. It always it, it's really entertaining. And it, uh, the reason I'm bringing that up is because the length of the videos is never over ten minutes. He just seems to 
pack it with as much content that he's got and then just release the video as it is. He probably doesn't do a lot of the editing, to be honest with you. He probably doesn't set up all the camera work. Tell me if I'm wrong. Then I, I, I don't know. Isn't Logan Paul fully demonetized? I don't know. So he doesn't have to care anymore because his videos don't make money anyway. You know how you do say that? Every time I load up one of his videos, I've never got an ad. So maybe that's yeah, true. Uh, since, the, since he showed the corpse in Japan, I think he's fully demonetized on YouTube. I know he well, lost he his he doesn't have to care anymore. Disney partnership. Yeah, yeah, and I think fully demonetized. But sometimes I wonder. Uh, one of my favorite YouTubers, for example, is Video Game Donkey and Killian Experience. You ever heard of them? Yep. And they only do like five minute videos, and I'm always like, "What? What? Do you make any money with that five minute video every every month?" That's that's. I don't I never understand how they survive. I feel like if you've got a really passionate audience and they're willing to watch a video because they they're almost like subscribed to the idea that your content is always good. I think they'll click regardless, and I think the algorithm will push those videos uh, to the trending page. And I think Donkey is an example of that. He's, he's, he, I've noticed, too, that he, there's never like a dull moment in a Donkey video. It's almost like from the start to finish, whether five to, or ten minutes, it's like full of edits, you know, like cuts and jokes and whatnot. It's like he's, he probably writes a script. So he puts the effort in, that's for certain. And uh, I think the result of that is based on the, the passion for his community and his fans. Yeah, but I, I always thought, again, I, I don't know anything... If you only have a five-minute video, no matter how good it is, you can only run a certain amount of commercials. In a ten-minute video, you have double the commercials, which is doubled income. Maybe he doesn't care. I mean, at the end of the day, if he gets ten million views a video, I mean, like Donkey uh, streams, they make a. That's something I realized lately. I'm I'm now in a bit of contact with big German streamers. These people don't even care about donations anymore. They they even some of them even have donations turned off because they make enough money from merch sponsors. Patreon, they, they don't care anymore. And maybe a lot of these YouTubers, maybe the answer is they don't need the YouTube money anymore because they have so much going on the side, I guess. Something like that. I feel like as I've gotten older, people's... I start to understand people's motivations more because when I was younger, did you ever feel like, oh man, it'd be so amazing if I was rich and I owned a fucking Lamborghini, you know? And then now you get to the stage you're at now and you're kind of like, well, I'm comfortable and there's nothing I really want to buy. I guess maybe a house would be nice, I suppose. But then it it really puts you in a weird dilemma. It's like when someone's earning like 10 million plus a year, like, I, I, I mean, maybe that number's a little bit high, but maybe 2 million a year, let's just say like Ninja, for instance, which just seems a realistic number. Like, what's your motivation to keep going? You know, like, is it just to see that bigger number in your bank account? Because I never quite understood it. That's a very good question, because I feel that all the time. I'm a big PewDiePie fan. I watch him all the time. I think PewDiePie is amazing. And PewDiePie has been ranked one for so many years. The guy must have enough money and shit. Why is he still going through? Why is he still doing YouTube? And the answer is that these people, they have fun with this. They have fun doing it. They have fun being ranked one. They have fun growing their audience. And it's always important to understand when someone is self-employed, it's their baby. No matter how rich you are, you want to keep building on your baby. Like yesterday, was someone someone was asking me the question, Tommy, if you will win the lottery right now, would you still stream? Obviously. Dave, if you will win the lottery right now, would you still do YouTube videos? I'd probably take, I'd probably take like a six-month break. But you I'd... will come back to doing it. Oh, yeah. I, f- I feel like I need the motivation. I-, I don't feel that passionate like it's my baby and I want to protect it. Because at the end of the day, if I did take a big break, I, I would take a big hit. Like, I don't know, my sub counts would probably go into decline, you know? Um, But... Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think the luxury of taking a brick break would definitely be there if I uh, had just a large amount of money that came out of nowhere. Mm. I guess maybe at that point, I, maybe I wouldn't care about money and I'd just be caring about, like, I don't know, my own ambitions and goals. Maybe maybe I'd become a politics channel. Who knows? At that point, I would not care. Because, I mean, the reason... I mean, sorry not to jump onto politics, but the reason I don't talk about politics as much as I used to is I feel like it hurts my brand. So... 
I mean, yeah. I, I've got to choose one or the other. Do I go down the demonetization route of talking about politics and more edgy issues? Or do I go for the route that gets me a comfortable income and a roof over my head? Well, obviously, I'm going to go for the roof, aren't I? True, true. One hour plus won the poll, but again, it's just 91 votes. That's really not a good representation in the poll here. Yeah, I think the the issue with this data... So just to run, we've run a poll in the chat. What was the question? Oh, if you'd watch over plus one hours for a video. Yeah, so I think the reason why this poll is flawed is we're only asking people who are watching a live stream right now, and these might be people who would watch from your live stream from start to finish in one whole sitting. So these yeah, people are probably hardcore fans to begin yeah, with. It's not a good group to to ask that to. I suppose yeah. what you'd have to do is have three polls, one for YouTube, one for the Twitch stream, one for Discord, and then try and like merge them all the data together to see what you would get. Yeah. So yeah, uh, as your question was, uh, why, are these, why do these people, like if you reach a certain income, why would you keep caring? And I think it's this, it's this self-employed thing that this is your baby. Like I could right now, for example, go for a two-week trip with my girlfriend. But it's very hard to just dip the channel for two weeks because if you're self-employed, if you take two weeks off, it shows in numbers, right? The YouTubers know that very much. Um, yeah, I think it's your baby. And that's why you keep pushing. I've never taken an extended break, you know. So I don't actually know. People talk a lot about YouTube. If, like, if you did take a break, what the impact would be. What I've known from Twitch streamers, though, I'll, I'll use an example of Score. Once again, regardless about his content for one second, but he's taken like really massive breaks in his Twitch career. And sure, it's hurt him in the long run, but whenever he comes back, there's almost like a massive amount of like positive energy that comes from it. And everyone's like, oh, wow, I'm going to watch this guy and he'll get like five or 6,000 views. Yeah, which comebacks would... are always big, yeah. Yeah, that's right, the comeback thing. Um, so it, I feel like the, the YouTube world and the Twitch world, when it comes down to comebacks, I feel like are a little bit different because I don't think you'd... I think as YouTube, the longer you probably go, the less excitement there will be when you do come back. Yeah. Mm. As I always say the whole time, I don't understand YouTube. It's so weird to me. Like... We have this thing right now, Marconi. It's very hard for us on YouTube to make non-Hoi4 content because the YouTube algorithm only pushes us if we have Hoi4 content because the algorithm says this channel is a Hoi4 channel. Hoi4 videos get 100k views. If he makes a fucking, I don't know, different video with different game, it doesn't get, uh, it doesn't go into your recommended list chat. You don't see it on recommended and it gets only 50k views. So you're kind of, in a, in a way, stuck uh, in a certain topic. Would you yeah. agree with that, YouTuber? I, this is the way I see it. When people subscribe and hit that subscribe button, they're subscribing for a certain kind of content. So there might be diehard fans. There might be people out there. I love feedback gaming, regardless of what it makes. I just like him as a personality. Those people are great. I'd like to have 150,000 of those, but I don't. At the end of the day, I probably got like 140,000 of people who subscribed because they liked Hoi4 content. They hit that button because it was Hoi4. So when it pops into my reel that it's a video that isn't Hoi4, they're reluctant to click. And therefore, they're reluctant to click. There's less watch time. When there's less watch time, there's less view duration. When there's less view duration, YouTube will push it less to recommended boxes. So overall, the video will die. So what's the solution? The way I see it is plow. Make videos that aren't Hoi4 until eventually you'll start to get a following other things. And then eventually maybe you'll get enough people that are passionate about you, the personality, and they won't exactly. like donkeys, and that way they'll click regardless what the game is. Nature. That's that's the goal right now. And if, if I was a manager for YouTubers, I would tell them all the same. I will tell this to you and Rambler and stuff. I think we all have to slowly step out of this Hoi4 shadow. Very slowly to, as you just said, get an audience that cares about us as a person and not the content Hoi4. True. Yeah. Very well said. That's subscribe true. for the personality, not subscribe for the game. And that is kind of 
the way you see right now on Tommy K. I, I, I don't think we see it in the feedback brand yet. You don't really do that, right? You're still full hoi four, right? No, no. I mean, uh, you're I've, a podcaster now. <laughs> I've got a system uh, set up where I do a hoi four, then something else, hoi four, then something else, hoi four, something else. That doesn't apply for the last three videos, though, because that pdx deal came around so therefore i had to make two hoi four videos in a row but if you consider to look back over the last i don't know six months i've followed that formula i've done quite well there's a few games that i played that seem to the audience for hoi four seemed to translate over really well to other games such as uh roman parrot i did quite well the u4 mm. videos did all right uh but games that were completely outside of the spectrum for instance the last command and conquer game that i dropped oof, that did really 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 badly and age of empires did really badly too it's almost like if I stay with Grand Strategy and Paradox, I seem to be doing comfortably. But if I move out of that spectrum to real-time strategy, still strategy, I thought it would work. But full enough, it seems to find that it kind of dies off. Maybe mm. Civilization would work for me because that's another kind of big strategy game. I don't know. It's something to be think about. It's true. So you can say um, that YouTubers and Twitch streamers that started with a certain niche, like us, Hoi4, it's hard for us to get out of this niche. It's possible, though. And I think the next years we will see where this goes. It's very interesting, very interesting. I think you have already broken out. I think it proves that when you play Witcher and you get a thousand views, or what was the other game you played the other day you got a thousand with? I think you've definitely got that diehard fan base. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, true. On Twitch, I think on Twitch is much easier because the personality Tommy K on Twitch can now pull at 1K viewers with everything. But on YouTube, it's so much harder, so much harder. A virtual video will get 30k views. It will just fully die. When I used to stream on Twitch, this is a long time ago, I got an average around about 50 views when I played a lot of like old retro tiles like Resident Evil and stuff. A lot of stuff that used to be on like PlayStation in the early, early days. But then when I moved on to another game, you could see that like I got half the amount of views that I want to usually get, maybe like 10 or 20 views. And then you could like see like who were the diehard fans and who were just the people there because they wanted to see sure. that specific game. He's practically yeah, what we already said. said. The goal should be, which is, I think, easier on Twitch and on YouTube, to get more of these fans that care about you. And the more you get of them, the more you have this power. For example, I'm, I envy the streamer Lyric. You know Lyric? Yeah, yeah. These streamers, he can touch whatever he wants. He can play whatever he wants. The people always follow him. And that's like the goal, I think, that you can do whatever you want. I would never want to end up like Dr. Respect, who is fully stuck in these BR games. And if he does anything else, he gets joked at, memed at, and loses viewers and stuff. Does he want to change or does he... I th- I my, impre- uh, my impression is he really likes that kind of content. I guess so. I don't know him. I will just guess he sees this as a business, as a brand, and he knows with BR games, he makes the most income, I guess. Doc gets memed no matter what. Yeah. Do you know I mean, Dr. Disrespect's background? He, uh, yeah, kind of. He used to make uh, COD yes, maps. Or- because of one, and then he came up with his personality and look where he is now. Yeah, well, he's doing way better now than he ever has. Yeah, yeah. I, I loaded up his stream one day, and he was he was actually making a map, and he he, he was oh no, he wasn't making a map. He was loading up old maps and other ones he'd yeah, he made. Yeah, that was actually so cool. I was actually fascinated by that, and that was like it was completely out of a character too, because he wasn't playing his old macho kind of retro badass Chad Boyo, was he? Yeah, yeah. Like he was talking about how like he made this map, but this had to be changed because there were people specifically camping in this certain spot. And I was like, oh, that's kind of fascinating. I I really like the kind of like the law that goes into stuff. Mm. Here's a good. Here's a. There's a guy in chat saying something that that comes up with something. The guy, I'm not going to say what he's saying, but he's kind of introduced saying that because I'm a content creator that's very personal and shares a lot of stories, it's easier for the audience, for the viewer, to connect with me and follow me into other games. Do you feel that you or or other Hoi4 YouTubers uh, should have been or could be more personal about themselves to 
would you say that someone who's more personal with audience has it easier to get out there to leave the niche of Hoi 4? And would that be something for you? I think the answer there is no, though. How, how do you see that theory? I think what I'm going to say here is it's probably easy to disprove because there's 101 different exceptions to the rule. I think the way I see it is if you, for instance, sell yourself as a certain nationality and push that as a stereotype and you kind of push a lot of cliches that go with that stereotype, let's say being British and drinking tea, for instance, I think <laughs> with that you can form a connection with that character, with the audience. It doesn't have to be you. It could be a character. For instance, Dr. Disrespect isn't a person. It's a character he's created. And because of that, I think people can latch on to that character and then go with it to other videos. So I think the answer to your question is yes, but there's probably 101 different exceptions to that rule, which it doesn't apply. Okay, let's like, so we have two different universes. One right now where you are Dave right now, and we have a universe where Feedback Gaming five years ago started doing YouTube content as a character, a British, whatever character. Would you think the character Dave would have been further now? Yes. Than the current? Yes. 100%. Yes. Very interesting. I feel like I missed the bandwagon when it came down to pushing me as a national stereotype. Yeah, I feel like I missed something there. There was definitely something they're missing. Uh, it's hard to convey in a very short YouTube video like your personality and who you are and what you're all about and give something about your specific personal life. I drop a few little eggs in my videos every now and then, maybe showing a personal picture from an old PDX con or a personal picture that's something IRL or a picture of my cat or something. I don't know. I don't really think that really works that well effectively. It's just something to fill a gap in a video most of the time. But no, I, I, de I definitely think there's instances where I could have pushed more of me into my video um i think i think i think the, i think people are reluctant to do that because i think they're worried to reveal their personal life they want to keep this as a business and then their personal life separately i think that's a lot of time why they create characters instead of pushing them as an individual true true and also you have to say that uh, on twitch it's much easier to connect with your audience because youtube you have the video it's not live on twitch there's a dude eight hours sharing a lot of maybe personal stuff you can ask him live questions i think it's easier for streamers to to build these characters to build a connection with their audience than youtubers you guys have it hard you guys have it harder there i think i used to say this a long time ago that people come for the game but they stay for the personalities and i think that's the reason people why people use cams on twitch because when mm. you see someone's face, you can see how they react emotionally, their expressions. You can connect them way better than you would if you didn't have a cam. True. In the end, I, 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 that's what I always say. Twitch is is your internet friend. You go to a stream and there's a dude who you hang out with. He reacts to you. He maybe even sometimes answers your questions. It's like a it's like a friendship. It's obviously not a real one, but people come to Twitch to not feel alone and have social gathering. I think, and you don't have that on YouTube. Yeah, I think it's yeah. difficult to convey that. The reason why I was saying there's exceptions to the rule is because I think Donkey, for instance, I mean, could you tell me something about Donkey? What, what's his personality like? Uh, he's a... Uh, uh, yeah, it's impossible, isn't it? Normal... I struggle too. Yeah. I, I only know from the memes because everyone said, everyone used to joke before he showed his face that he was black. And everyone said he had a black <laughs> voice. I think I thought that too. Yeah, that, I think that's the the only thing I can convey his personality is a meme that someone else made about him. Yeah. <laughs> True. Well, these yeah, always depends how you want to go with this. You want to build a character. You want to connect. You want to bring out personal information. It's always like I was I was always a very open streamer, sharing a lot of personal stuff, and it it got me in a lot of trouble personally and stuff like that. 
everything has pros and cons, you know. And sometimes I envy the the content creators that are very, very disconnected from sharing private stuff with the chat. Sometimes I envy them. Yeah. I think in the early days, it, it did benefit you. I think people were able to connect with you over other Hoi4 streamers because you were willing to give so much away about your life. And I think your stories were what people really connected with. I think they, yeah, saw, I think they saw themselves in you. Yeah. I, that's what I, I always feel like I'm like the, the worker class streamer. Like people come on the stream and they're like, hey, that's one of us, man. This guy is one of us. That's that's what I think helped the stream a lot. I know you've cut and down I, I, on the I, stories, I, but no, they definitely helped you in the beginning, I think. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, but it always gave some trouble when you were too personal. And something that bothered, not bothers me, something that I think a lot lately, the more you grow as a content creator, the more hard it gets to stay connected with your audience. It, it Because your life changes in a way that, like I don't have, people always ask me, do you have any stories, Tommy? I don't have any stories anymore. I don't work in a supermarket anymore, beating up junkies and doing crazy shit. I don't have these stories anymore. And the, the more you grow, maybe the less an audience feel connected with you. It's like the, um, I was what, I was listening to a podcast the other day. They call it the Ricky Gervais phenomenon. Ricky Gervais and his stand-up is getting worse because he doesn't get real-life stories anymore. Yeah. When you are a guy that lives in a big mansion in a very rich neighborhood and you don't have normal problems anymore with normal people you can't collect with your normal audience anymore you know what i mean like i'm not yeah. face, you know but you know <laughs> no no i can see that a lot of the it's time like, it's like you have this phenomenon and this is it's just the truth chat i shouldn't say this it's bad for business when you were a nobody and you get a hundred dollar donation you're, you're you legit are like oh my fucking god are you kidding me ridiculous and it's just the truth i just want to be honest if you now get a hundred dollar donation, it's still amazing. It's still crazy, but obviously, it's much less emotional than four years ago when you, the hundred dollars were like twenty five percent of your monthly income, stuff like that. Yeah, it would be and st- it's 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 hard to stay. I don't want to say humble, but to stay connected. You know, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's so much you step into a different world. Like a hundred dollars is life changing for someone who has nothing, but then a hundred dollars to someone who's comfortable, it's like. Wow, thanks for that spare change. I appreciate it, but it's hard for me to get excited. <laughs> yeah, it's just the truth of life, man. And this is why you see a lot of bigger content creators on YouTube and Twitch to to step away. Like, they, it's not so much about donations anymore. It's more about sponsorships and stuff like that, you know? I mean, uh, Alex just said in chat that 50% of his YouTube content now is not Hoi4. That would be interesting to ask him how that's going. That's good. Hmm. Oh, my God, that's amazing. Yeah, I it's, it's always feel like it's it's an investment. When you when people like us step away from Hoi4 content, we first lose... I've always mentioned like a stock, you know, the feedback gaming stock. If you leave Hoi4, your stock goes down, but it could be long-term investment raising the stock uh, on a higher level than Hoi4 could ever reach. That's I why think, I think about this stuff. Yeah, I, I think I agree with the premise of that. I think the, that's why I'm trying to make it a transitional thing. I don't want to kill my views, but I also want to be able to migrate to other fan bases and enjoy what they're doing. I think when I pumped out like four Roman Parrot videos in a row, I did notice I was getting a little bit of a following with that. And every now and I'll get a comment on a new video that says, when's Roman Parrot videos coming back? And I'm like, I'm kind of done with that game now, you know? So, <laughs> I don't want to tell them that, obviously, because I don't want them to subscribe. But the truth behind it is it's like... <laughs> it's a good tactic. Don't tell them. Whenever someone in my chat says, Tommy, will you play that game again? No, fuck you, bitch. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I just learned something from Dave here. Yes, guys, I will play Rome one day. Please subscribe. I just reply soon in, in all capitals. Soon. <laughs> yeah, Davey, I have a question here from Marconi saying, I'm just going to read it. I didn't prepare that. Who's Marconi? How do you, Marconi is, uh, he makes noodles. He sells good noodles. Um, <laughs> uh, how do you guys deal with the pressure of basically running a small business, knowing there's a possibility that all of this could fall apart in an instant? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this I saw that one. 
question by Marconi. So Marconi, if anyone doesn't know, is uh, Tommy's editor and secretary. And manager and dad, in a way. Whoa, that's deep. Very deep, man. Very deep. So what would you say to that question? I have always been the kind of person that lives for today and tomorrow. I know tomorrow is used as like a way of reflecting anything that could happen in the future. But I'm always thinking within a really narrow time frame. And because of that, I don't find myself like thinking too much about a month, two months or years in the future. I'm very locked into today. I'm very present. Um, and I think that might be one of the reasons, not to go on another tangent, but what I've been quite good with my mental health because I, I'm never like thinking in the past about worrying about the past or looking into the future or worrying about the problems that could happen in the future. So I, that, a lot of that stuff doesn't really affect me. So when I think about, oh, the end of YouTube, the, the, the downfall of Twitch and subscriptions and all the other hoo-ha, I don't know. It just really doesn't bother me. Uh, when it comes to realistically, though, when it comes down to when I do think about it, I see myself for the long haul with this. Even when things get really, really, really bad, I think I'd still stick with it. I was a bit of my origin story, but when I used to work call centers, I was always said to myself, if I made it on Twitch and I was making like minimum wage over a monthly period, I would quit my job. And that would mean I would take a drop down in wages. Now, for the most part, I've never known any Twitch streamer or YouTuber who's willing to admit that. They will always say something, oh, I have to make like double or triple before I quit my job. But... I was always willing to take a step down just because I just detested what I did for a living so much. Mm. So I was willing to be an exception to that rule. So even if things get really, really, really bad, I'm sticking with it, boyo. Stick it to the end. <laughs> okay. But do are you... Um, when I became a content creator, a lot of the normies in my life, like parents and stuff like that, they always used to say... Do you have a second plan? Do you have a uh, do you have a parachute? Do you have a plan when this all goes down? Do yeah. you have a plan like this, Dave? I think I'd probably like... Oh, I think I'd either do video editing for people maybe on low-key, like Fiverr, then work my way up to potentially do something That's bigger. That's something people don't realize, that editors are the future, man. I could, do, I, could, I could potentially see myself do QA at Paradox as well. That's something I could do as well. Is what it, does QA is, mean? Is it, is, it, is it QA? QA is the beta testers, isn't it? I'm thinking of the uh, ones who do like the social media stuff. The, like, so you can work for Paradox, they like you. Potentially. I've heard it's actually really hard work and uh compared to what we do, for instance, it's 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 real work. I'm doing that with you can't see me if I'm doing commas. Yeah, it's real work. Um so I don't know. I once again I think it would be a step down for what I currently do at the moment. And uh no, but I once again, one, I don't worry about it. Two, I think I like I've got lots of other skills I could dip into, probably all tech related, all online or working from home. So, I don't know. I just don't really think about it. I don't really worry about it. How do you? How about you? Do you worry? Well, you just make me scared because you said you have skills. Because I don't have any skills. If if I my content will die right now, if this brand will die right now, I'm an unfinished law student who doesn't know anything about editing. I won't have any skills. That's true. Now, now I'm scared. <laughs> oh, no. Back to university. Thank you, guys. Goodbye. No. Uh, my plan is just like you live in the present. Believe in it. That's very important. You believe in yourself. But it's obviously very adult and professional and clever to always have a second plan my second plan is literally just be good with money save money have a certain amount of money that if like right now this second my youtube and twitch just dies and i'm not allowed to ever create content again i have enough money in my bank account to still finish two years of law school that's my second plan pretty much yeah you've got law school that's your skill isn't it Oh, and I will just fucking suck at that shit. I will forget everything i will just get wrecked there and i will probably get very depressed did you enjoy law yeah. Nah, 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 nah. I can never say that. It's cool. It's not fucking bad. 
But the, the entire atmosphere of being a university student, being in a university culture, being in law and what it means, I, I very much detested that. I, 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 I'm pretty sure if, if I would have a normal life and did become a streamer, I would right now sit in a law office and I'd be, I thought I'd not be very happy. I wouldn't be very happy, I think. The job I always wanted was to be that tech support guy, you know, the guy who like does all the networking on the computers and fixing stuff like that. And I studied at college for it and I did it for a year. But I never could get a job actually doing it. So I feel there's two parts from it. It's like the abilities that you've got and skill that you can do that you can actually make money with. But then there are also like, I don't know, like there's a lot of like skills and qualifications out there that don't really necessarily lead down to you earning extra money. Mm. It's good to know a lot about a lot of little things. And uh, with that, with that, you can spread out. Yeah, and the, the, go the problem is always like in real life, you can know a lot of things, but if you have no degree to show, for example, Germany like that, no one cares. If you go to a, to a, how do you say in English, when you talk to a boss and if he wants to hire you, uh, a job into you, uh, and you're like, I'm really good at editing and programming, but I don't have a degree to show it, they will just send you away, you know? Yeah, but Dave, as you just said, in a per- God comes down from heaven right now. God comes down from heaven and he says, Dave, I will right now reset your life. You will be zero years again. And what, when you were born, 1981, right? And um, he says... <laughs> You will get any dream job you tell me right now in this second life. Which dream job would you choose? Any job I can choose from? Well, maybe let's change the question. I like to say this question. Every job on earth pays the same. What job would you like? Every job on earth gets 2K a month, everything. If it's a plumber or a fucking stockbroker, they all bring the same. What job will Dave love? What would be your love, most loved job? So my initial, I was going to answer your first question just by saying something something that made a lot of money and then I could retire really quickly. Yeah, the second question got you there. <laughs> I guess the choice there is like, do you choose something really easy or do you do something that kind of mentally challenges you? I guess maybe hmm. I, I, this is similar to what I said before, like how I would like to be able to talk more about politics, but I realize the consequences of that. And I feel like my objective would always be kind of create a better world so if knowing that everyone got paid exactly the same i'd probably just do something that would uh better people's lives i don't know like for instance i feel like charity works and not that i can say that i've ever done it but i feel like charity work could something that could be really rewarding if you got potentially paid for it as well made a living out of it as well i guess i feel like i'd lean in that specific direction i don't know that's a that's such a big question you should have prepped me on that in advance i should have thought about it i know <laughs> i want the pure reaction on that i don't know man I don't know. It's difficult. I don't know. Maybe I'd go into politics and then I'd actually become a member of a party and then become an MP, maybe. And then potentially I feel like I could change the world internally from the inside. Maybe that's something I would do, maybe. But then potentially those people get paid quite a lot because they take a lot of deals on the side and whatnot, don't they? So there's this potential to make money with that as well. Hmm. Because my answer to that question is legit still streamer. <laughs> oh, still wow. Streamer. Okay. Yeah. Just I play mean, I mean, well, like, like these guys, uh, you have a good answer. Um, uh, uh, hotel tester, like you travel the world and shit, something like that. A hotel, like you test hotels. Yeah, you don't know the job hotel tester. These people make mad money. Do, they go to hotels all around the world and test them. Are they like critics? Like they give like, yeah, like scores? Yeah, hotel critics. Yes. Oh, There's, like, right. about them. They make mad money and they the hotels uh, treat them like stars because they want a good review, right? Mm. Stuff like that. It would definitely be something that you would probably... I guess the question would be, is it like, is it something you want to better the world with, which I feel like that's where I live more towards, or is it something that you can just grind out the rest of your life and just get, I don't know, some mm. kind of enjoyment out of? Yeah. And I guess it proves that your answer was streaming, so therefore you, you do enjoy what you do. Yeah, I was like, I think you should answer this question with what gives you most fun, right? You wake up in the morning fucking 
ready to get your job done and you're happy doing it i've that seen is, i've um, seen the twitter list on twitter and it, the amount of people that have came out with stuff and said stuff about people it's like oof mm. oof i don't know man it's uh hey, hey, more subs for me man <laughs> yeah i mean the death of mixer the banning of all these other people i mean at the end of the day i guess there's lots coming your way i guess yeah yeah, yeah. Now, this is this is uh, obviously uh, edgy topics. Twenty point four questions here, and we did two. Yeah, I think that's, that's good. Because question by Swedish cowboy. Please ask Dave why he exploits so much. Because <laughs> he gets views. People it's like good. it. People like to cheat. Like, as a kid, can you remember when you played your first game and you like the first thing you wanted to do when you got online was search for uh, something something cheats online to get the cheat codes and everything. Exploits are just basically cheats. That's all they are, and you can do them in proper it's games like Iron Man and Multiplayer. Use on that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this has been an awesome podcast. How do you think it went? That's an eight point six out of ten for me. Yeah, I think it went pretty well. Apart from me sweating absolute balls right now. Um, yeah, I, I legit, I legit have to uh, switch my t-shirt in the middle of the stream now. Uh, every stream because I smell, I start smelling, and I need to change my shirt and wash me under my arms. You know. Yeah. This is maybe really think yeah. about yeah, air conditioning. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I've been feedback gaming. You can find me on YouTube dot com forward slash feedback gaming actually i don't think that's the url just type feedback gaming into google and who are you my name is tommy k check me out on dude the other day i was tweeting out that i'm streaming and i said www.twitch.tv slash real tommy k but my name is tommy <laughs> k live <laughs> yeah i just google tommy k man okay yeah tommy you, k you know who i am boys you know who i am the real man the myth the legends guys it's been awesome i hope you have an awesome day and i will see you guys next time bye say bye bye